the voyage of the Page Turner. Episode 15, Beyond Escape. Hello and welcome to Voyage of the Page Turner, the Choose Your Own Page Turning podcast with me, comedian Colin Lego. We are well into this series now, episode 15. Oh, 15 books down and several to go. I think I'm going to take this season up to episode 20. So we've still got five more episodes after today to have some fun with. So that's exciting. And I know a lot of you do listen and I'm really grateful for that. If you have been enjoying the podcast, it would be really helpful and really quick for you to do, actually, if you were to go on to where you get your podcasts, be it uh, Apple Music or wherever, and just leave a little review uh, because the reviews help other people see it and it builds an audience and that kind of stuff so if you've enjoyed it or chuckled at least once go on leave me a review i'd really like that thank you very much so like i was saying this is episode 15 and book 15 beyond escape and after this episode we're going to go a little bit rogue Uh, next week won't be book 16 it will be the 16th episode but i'm going off track i'm not going in chronological order or not We have got a new book next week, which is still in the same series, but from somewhere else in the series. And very excitedly, these books are for 8 to 12-year-olds, and joining me next week will be an (laughs) 11-year-old. So let's see if the youth today actually enjoy these books as much as I did back in the 80s. So I'm very, very excited about that. But today we've got book 15, and it is called Beyond Escape. Now, the eagle-eared... I mean, is that a phrase? The eagle-eared among you might notice that it sounds a little bit like an episode uh, a few weeks ago called Escape. And it is actually a follow-up to the story Escape, during which I was joined by comedian Adele Cliff. Now, very excitedly, joining me today is someone who writes with Adele, someone who does comedy with Adele, and someone who is almost a bit of a nemesis to Adele in the punning world, uh, and that is Philip Simon. Philip Simon and Adele Cliff know each other very well, and they met in the ring at the UK Pun Championships in 2020, which Adele went on to win. But you know, there's a little bit of friendly rivalry there, so I've got Philip in to do Beyond Escape, the follow-up story, and let's see how he does as we go into this, episode 15 of Voyage of the Page-Turner. Philip Simon is a London-based, award-winning stand-up comedian and comedy writer who has worked on many successful shows, including for Mock the Week, Taskmaster, Newsjack, and News Review. In 2015, Philip won the crown of Jewish Comedian of the Year, and in 2019 took his one-man show, Who's the Daddy Pig? To the Edinburgh Festival, receiving bucket loads of critical acclaim. During lockdown, Philip created the hugely popular children's YouTube joke show, Schools Out Comedy Club, and earlier this year released a book containing all the jokes from the series, in aid of the charity Fair Share. A very generous human being, with a huge comedic brain, Let's hope Philip can make it out alive today and doesn't become beyond escape. Philip Simon, welcome to Voyage of the Page Turner. It's lovely to have you here. Thank you very much. Lovely to be here. I met you, I would say, it was over a year ago now. It was at the the Pun Championships in Leicester. It was. It was pretty much just over a year because that was one of my last gigs pre-horrendous lockdown. (laughs) 
when the world accepted us comedians and we could perform. What a lovely world that was. Yeah, where, where suddenly our entire industry had to go underground and we were considered illegal. Yeah, it's like Fight Club, but with more wordplay. Um, <laughs> um, how's your lockdown been? You've carried on doing um, lots of comedy, really, with your children's um, comedy club. Yeah, I've had, bizarrely, an incredibly productive lockdown. Ooh. It's, so I've been homeschooling my kids, which has been truly hideous. And I can't stress that enough. Right. Um, so I started the kids' comedy show basically to entertain my children, Ooh. entertain other people's children, and keep myself sane because I needed an outlet for comedy. There wasn't much adult comedy happening at the time because all the, the Zoom stuff and the online stuff, it was still too early days to be really kind of bedded in at that mm, point mm. um so i created a schools out comedy club which just kept me saying i'm still doing it now even in lockdown three i do a daily live stream show i think it will after this week it'll be 45 episodes of live shows half hour episodes which are all on youtube you know it's completely free for the kids and there's a joke book that goes with it so we're selling the joke book for charity and so but it's, it's really given me huge focus Mm. I did it as part of the Leicester Comedy Festival and I, that just got nominated for Best Kids Show, which is very exciting. And I'll find out soon wow. that someone else won. Um, <laughs> oh. yeah, so, someone who's not just standing there conducting children, telling jokes. Um, <laughs> it's kept me sane. So I, I did that. I did a podcast called You Talking to Me. I wrote. I did some adult gigs as well. I've done a few corporate gigs, some online. So I've stayed really busy mm. and productive, but I just want to get back to green rooms and live comedy <laughs> and standing in boxing rings, shouting <laughs> puns at each other. You know, it'll, yeah. It, oh. It'll be lovely when we can do that. <laughs> it'll be lovely when we can shout puns at each other. I'm looking forward to that. Um, yeah. I, I used to work a lot with children as a as a, um, a, a nursery teacher. I did that for a few years, and the moments of my day I enjoyed the most was when someone came up with a joke. <laughs> but the way I find that you know, especially sort of three and four year olds, their joke telling is more hilarious because they're not actually jokes. Sometimes they're yeah. just a sentence which they are finding funny. When you've been asking for your jokes for the joke book from the children, have you found that? Yes. So when I started the show, I did it pre-recorded. Mm. So they send in jokes. I filmed myself telling the jokes to like a, a studio audience that wasn't there. Mm. Um, and that was fine because I could edit those. Then kids started to send in videos of themselves telling jokes I would edit into the package. And that was all right because, again, you could sort of edit around the dodgy bits <laughs> and now I'm doing it on zoom every day where I'm literally giving the kids the platform mm. or I'm doing a few live shows for cubs and brownies and things like that you know schools and and again you're giving them the platform to tell their jokes and some it's the waffle that's the problem because getting them to make a coherent <laughs> sentence is off I don't know if you've uh, ever heard sort of th four five six year olds talking when they're trying to get a sentence out but quite often they repeat themselves so many times and if they make a mistake they don't just repeat that word they go back to the beginning of the sentence <laughs> so it might be something like why did the chicken cross the road which is a very simple setup to a joke mm. but that could take a minute to get out of them 
and you know what's coming, but I can't interrupt them and offer it. I can't be like, oh, I think you're about to ask why they should, because that's patronizing and mm. they need to be validated because this is their moment to shine. Mm. Um, but it, it's, it's lovely. And then sometimes they just want to say poo. Right. That's the other thing. Well, don't you we know. all? Don't we all feel it? Yeah. You know what I mean. We we often. I just want to say poo, and I, as a forty-two-year-old man, I can't just shout poo, and and a six-year-old can, and I envy that. And I, but this is the thing: I can, I can now. <laughs> yeah, you one, can. One, one of the jokes, one of the jokes the kids sent in when I did the original shows, uh, was was this: knock knock, who's there? Poo. <laughs> poo who? Right. And then that was it. There was no answer to that. And I, I messaged her mum because everyone who submitted jokes, I get their email addresses. And so I met, and I said, can I just, is there an end to this joke? Because I don't want to embarrass her by, you know. And she went, no, nope, just wanted you to say poo. Brilliant. Brilliant. And that was it. <laughs> that was a four-year-old. Like the calculating mind of a four-year-old is like, yeah. I've enjoyed Philip's shows, but he doesn't say poo enough. <laughs> so so I, I love it. I, I It's... It has been for me. It's been the best part about lockdown, yeah. Um, because it's given me a bit of career control. It's given me a bit of career development. You know, it, it's kept me active. It's, it means I'm doing comedy every single day. Mm. Um, you know, because I did it with the Leicester Comedy Festival, so I did it every day. I didn't take a break for half term or weekends. So pretty much every day, which. I'm not saying I'm match fit when I go back to the comedy <laughs> store or gigs like that because these aren't the jokes you're going to tell on the circuit. But it it just kept me sane. That's amazing. Well, that's amazing. Well, I I envy that because lots of people have done or tried to do daily shows and it just gets to the point where you're thinking, "Am I just talking to myself?" But when you know you've got a solid audience of children there, and they're a great audience, I would imagine as well. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and I don't have to do any writing. That's the thing. I've got, you know, it's all on YouTube now, and there's 45 episodes. It's like 20, 30 hours of comedy up there, wow. and I've barely written a word of it because it's all just comparing, <laughs> and then they tell a joke. Oh, I, people should go and watch it, and I reckon you know, give it 20 years, and that you'll see some of Britain's finest comedians coming off the back of your show 20 years before. I mean, we'll only just be coming out of lockdown at that point, but yes. <laughs> That's very true. Oh, please don't say that. Um, um, now, when, we're talking about children. When you were a child then, were you adventurous as a, as a child? Would you go out and build a treehouse or were you in just watching television? Uh, I I was both, actually. I, we had a nice garden that we could go and play in and there were trees you could climb and we, we did a lot of climbing. And a lot of playing we didn't really build dens or anything like that but mm. it was also the sort of time where you could go out for a bike ride around the block and no one was going to abduct you so it was it was simpler times yeah um and those type of adventures even though they were like you said were local and just across the hedge from wherever you lived they did feel mm. like adventures i would i would go out with a full-on like a lunchbox full of <laughs> loads of snacks even though my house was there i was still yeah. i was still like bear grills <laughs> you know i have to survive well, this <laughs> we had to fend for ourselves in those days yeah you know yeah. none of this uh, <laughs> mummy and daddy coming with you to provide all your snacks like when i take my kids out now we we oh. go near us there's a little skate park where we take them on their scooters or there's other parts yeah we we have to pack 
enough stuff for a day to take them out, but we did that ourselves as kids. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, if you came back with a limb falling off, you know, you've broken your arm, I'd be all right. <laughs> It'd be fine. Yeah. <laughs> At least you've got the limb. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If, it, if, it, if, it, if it's fallen off, if it's fallen, no, you will come back with one arm. Like, well, go and get the other arm. Go back. But if it's just hanging off, you're fine. Yeah, I hope you haven't annoyed anyone by losing that arm. <laughs> I'm very aware we're having this conversation and, and one of us does have one limb missing. Well, <laughs> I, 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 I don't want the audience to think that I don't know. I'm not aware of that as a fact. And think, oh, God, why? Do, he's, just, he's got to stop. He's just, just, you're digging. Philip, you're digging. Yeah. Just one last thing, before we get into the book, which is a very exciting book today, uh, we'll get into that in a moment. My last question really, as of adventures when you were a child, which I seem to be obsessed with, what sweets or snacks were fueling those adventures? (laughs) Uh, I loved, and still love, sweets. Mm. That I, yeah, Mm. uh, I've got a ridiculously sweet tooth, Mm. which is why I'm glad this is an audio podcast not a video because <laughs> uh, we are to, hopefully towards the end of a lockdown where I my body has been abused um, <laughs> it is so I, I really loved like the pick and mix sweets mm. um, and also I don't, they don't I don't think they make them anymore Tutti Fruities don't you remember Tutti Fruities it's a sort of square chewy sweets like crisp yes. on the outside chewy on the middle um yeah. I used to buy packets of those and I'd have them at school. I'd have them in my pocket, loose, and I'd subtly kind of take one out during a lesson, put one in. Oh. Uh, licorice all sort. Mm. Love licorice. Mm. I'm licorice all sorts. I could absolutely die happy on. Um, mm. Extra strong mints. That, things like that. But yeah, sweets were my downfall. Hang on a second. L- let me just rewind a second. No one in this series so far has gone down the mint route. And extra strong mints, wow, that is a mint. That is kick you in the face. That mint. is a mint. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I know someone who was shocked. I, I did a car journey years ago with somebody and went through a packet of extra strong mints. Ooh. in the car journey um, and it's not they don't I don't feel them because it's quite painful to eat them but <laughs> I love them um, yeah. one of my one of my almost weekly routines is to try and go to the pound store near us because they do packets of four for a pound um, wow. and I, I like to go to make to see if they've got them because they don't always ha- have them in stock and um, I love an extra strong mint uh, as a as a snack, my the only I'm not, person I've got to pack it on the go now. If you don't, you know, <laughs> well, feel free to dig into them if you feel you're having a like a, a low moment. <laughs> the the only person I've ever known to, I think, eat extra strong mints. Now you you join the list, but it, the list consists of you and my grandmother, who always had one, a packet in her bag, so so, so she could nibble on so, it. Yeah, yeah. Just you and my gran. With with my grandma, it was polos. Yeah. And and now when every every year we go to her grave, mm. um, is where she now lives, mm. uh, to pay our respects, and we share between us a packet of polos because that was that was her thing. And um, the the strong mints nearly killed me uh, during lockdown. I have to say yeah. because what you can't do here's a little trick for your listeners. What you can't do is put a strong mint in your mouth 
and then put your face mask on. Oh, because the the breath is. I don't know if you've ever used like mint shower gel, mm. and it touches certain parts of your body, <laughs> and you go, "Whoa, no, no, mint is not. That's cooler than I was expecting." <laughs> so, with strong mints, the 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 breath of mint that you get. Uh, try having that hit the wall of the uh, the face mask and come straight back into your airway. Gosh, I nearly passed out on a shopping trip. <laughs> and surely, I was eating an extra strong mint. It would sting your eyes as well, I would imagine. Yeah, everything. Yeah. The whole face. The whole face goes. <laughs> well, gosh, I don't know if we're going to get anything as exciting in this story than that. I, I think we'll just give up now. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll throw it in if I can. <laughs> um, but, uh, well, thank you for joining me for the adventure today. Uh, for regular listeners, we are on book 15 in the series, um, which is a story called Beyond Escape. Now, uh, Philip, you'll be very excited to know that your colleague, fellow comedian, uh, fellow writer, I think, you often write with Adele, Adele Cliff, uh, did book eight, which was the uh, prequel to this, which was just called Escape. So right. you were you were almost working against Adele <laughs> to see how well you do. Ah, familiar times. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you and you and Adele <laughs> faced off in the final of the Pun Championship. We did, we did. So what will happen now is I'll do really well in this, and then a member of the audience will come in and say, "Actually, Adele won." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dearie me. Well, uh, let's, see. <laughs> let's see how you do. So, here we go. Let's get into it. Book 15 of this Voyage of the Page Turner. The year is 2051. And you are the chief of operations for all spy activities outside the border of your new nation, Tatalia. Tatalia is located where the states of Colorado, Utah, Oregon, Washington, and Montana once existed. Your archenemy, the nation of Dorado, is rumored to have hooked up with guerrillas in the former state of California. You have sent your two best spies, Matt and Melina, in for a look. Now they have gone missing, and you must head into the rebel territory to find them yourself. And there are signs Dorado is preparing to strike. Watch your back, and good luck. Wow. Wow, how does that make you feel, Philip? Like, you've sent in two people, just willy-nilly, mm. into the guerrilla state. Do you, do you feel bad about that? <laughs> I don't, actually, no. <laughs> I think they knew what they were signing up for mm. when they... When yeah. they enlisted. You would hope so. Uh, and, and if anyone's listened to episode 8 with Adele, we'll know that Matt and Melina are returning characters. Um, when she was looking after them, she hate, uh, I remember Adele hated Matt. Um, she, didn't, she didn't like him mansplaining everything. Um, but they did escape in the end. Okay, so we've, we, we know about Dorado and we know about Tatalia from book 8. But let's see how we go. Right, here we are. Page 1. 
You are the chief of operations for all spy activities outside the borders of Tortalia. Tortalia is a democratic country that was formed in the middle part of the 21st century. Tortalia is made up of the former mountain state of North Arizona and the Northern Plains, extending into Canada. After winning a vicious war, Tortalia has tried to pacify Dorado, but the Doradans broke away soon after their defeat and they continue to be a source of danger to Tortalia. You're one of the true Tortalian heroes. During the difficult Doradan wars, you led a secret mission to Dorado to obtain their invasion plans with Adele Cliff. Um, you succeeded. The Tortalia foiled the Doradans in their attempted takeover. You wear with pride the gold and silver ribbon, a symbol of Tortalia's highest respect and love. Only two others have the right to the ribbon, and neither is alive. Wow, that sounds a little bit... What did you do to them? Well, it sounds like Adele did it, not me. <laughs> no. I, I, I've just got here. <laughs> Alright, well now it's 2051. The Doradans have been strangely quiet for the last two years. A sure sign of trouble, you think? It's your responsibility to find out what's going on on the borders and to prevent any new attacks on your country. Not long ago, you sent two of your best agents, Melina and Matt, to check on the situation in the unnamed land west of Tortalia. The land once called California has been the scene of a vicious guerrilla style fighting. It's hard to follow what's going on there. And also hard to follow what's going on in this book so far. Okay. Um, Initial reports from Matt and Molina indicate that the, the Doradans might be working with some of the Californians, but your two agents have failed to make their last three radio contacts with your operations centre. When last heard from, they were some hundred miles due east from what used to be the city of San Francisco. You're pondering the problem in operations centre when there's an urgent knock at the door. A lieutenant rushes in. She's red-faced and worried. Haven has escaped, Commander. Great American accent from me. What? You shout, jumping to your feet? Haven is a Duradan spy. When? How? Uh, sometime early this morning. And that's not all. Three top-secret files are missing from our central computer office. Before you can fully digest what the lieutenant has said, another officer enters the room. He hands you a computer printout. Your eyes scan the words. In trouble. Extremely important information for you. No time. Hurry if you can. We are... Oh, I think it's from Madame Molina, the second officer says. I'm sure it is, you say. But we are what? Their last few words are cut off of the paper. Now, you've got two urgent crises. Haven, the notorious double agent, has escaped. And Madame Molina are in dire trouble. What do you do first? Well, I think the first thing I might do is fire the IT guy, because if it's 2051, why are we still relying on printouts to get information? Yeah, it does seem a little bit archaic, doesn't it? it I mean, I know it was written in the 80s, but even then, they were thinking, for, you know, they, we had hoverboards and, and we pla plans yeah. for those in the future. Why are we still relying on dot matrix printers mm. that can't... So, what do I do? Um, fi I fired the IT guy. Um, so I did, and, yeah, because I mean, you, you are right. Surely, you know, they would have they would have seen 
they would have seen that the, into the future and knew that we would at least have I don't know some form of email I don't know yeah. this Haven character mm. he was also in the first book Escape and he was a double agent you, you thought he was your IT guy and he turned out to be head of police in Dorado so you don't like him but he's escaped from your clutches with th- some missing files um, do you go to look for him or do you go and try and find Mata Molina? So I would probably go and look for Haven because Matt and Molina know what they're doing. They survived Adele. So, <laughs> you know, they clearly are trained well. Mm. Um, so I, I would put all of my resources into finding Haven right. because that is the clear and present danger. Okay, okay. And I must admit, he fooled uh, Adele properly. Like, we didn't see the double crossing uh, going on at all until it happened. We were very taken back. So you probably need to get go and get him just for that, just to make sure he's not winning again. In questioning the lieutenant who reported Haven's escape, you learn that he drugged his guards with herbs he found growing in the prison farm fields. The prison farm is adjacent to the operations centre. How Haven got the top secret files is anyone's guess. It is likely that there are Duradan agents in the Tatalian forces who gave him a hand. That's an unpleasant but real part of the tangled political situation that now exists. Spies are everywhere. Haven's escape occurred several hours ago. I'll have to act quickly, you say, to yourself, not to yourself. You press the full emergency warning button that sits on your desk. You have command of a helicopter fleet and a range force of high trained tractors and climbers. All the people in your command are dedicated, or so you hope. Okay, people, here's the plan, you announced to the five officers who came rushing into your office in response to the emergency bell. Haven can't have got too far. We're surrounded by miles of semi-desert. No vehicles are missing from the motor pool, and no strange aircraft have been reported in the area. Commander, how can we be so sure he's out there? A lieutenant wearing a sand-coloured camouflage uniform of the Rangers asks. Maybe he never left the compound. Has it been searched? Another officer jumps in before you can answer. He has a very similar accent to the other officer. (laughs) The compound's been searched from turnip to washcloth. He's not there. Well, we'll we'll leave no detail unturned. Haven is hiding. He'll be caught the minute uh, he surfaces. You nod at them and continue. I'll take the lead helicopter and direct the search of the territory due south from the air. Captain Ricardo, you take the rangers and spread out on the southeasterly direction. Well, I love, I love um, Captain Ricardo. I love that name. Yeah. Uh, R. A. Montgomery often loves a Ricardo or a Fernando. So, so, so um, I, I'm not surprised that Ricardo is featuring. I'd love to go Fernando's. <laughs> hey, there we go. There we go. It's a pun. <laughs> Yeah, okay, uh, choice coming up uh, here, Philip. Um, yep. Your helicopter is one of the new generation high-speed, low-noise craft. The pilot is excellent and talented. As soon as an altitude of 2,000 feet is built, busily scanning the horizon with computer-enhanced binoculars capable of enlarging an image several times, they also pick up radiation from living creatures. So, you... So, hang on. 
You have binoculars able to pick up radiation from living creatures, but you can't have a fax machine. Yeah, that there's holes all over this story. <laughs> You're in constant contact with the forces on the ground, led by Captain Ricardo and the ranger lieutenant who had spoken earlier at the meeting. Suddenly, clouds envelop the helicopter and radio communication is blocked out. The clouds contain a choking, blinding gas. You and your pilot reach for the oxygen equipment, but the pilot slumps forward and stops breathing. A crimson circle appears on his uniform, over his heart. He's dead. This is awful. Okay, the the choices are, here we go. You can try and land the helicopter yourself, or you can decide to bail out. So are you going to try and go all skydivey, or are you going to try and land it? What are we going to do, Philip? So this gas that's enveloped us has already killed one person. Mm. So the thought of diving into it doesn't really appeal to me. Uh, Um, No, no. But then the pilot was taken out. And I am, I'm, I'm assuming I'm trained to fly this thing. Well, it says you've Suck. got you've got um, ownership over all the air fleet. It doesn't say you've been uh, got any training. I would imagine you have. I don't know. Yeah, but I, I own quite a few TV remote controls. I don't know what half the buttons do. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not convinced that that's an argument. I I'm going to try and land the thing. Okay. I, I think that's that's much it. I don't want to dive into the plumes of deadly mm. gas. I mean, so I'm, I'm going to try and land it. I'm assuming this must be attack from Dorado. It must be. Must be. Uh, yeah. uh, unless it's just very unluckily gone into some kind of someone burning a bonfire. <laughs> It's got Dorado written all over it. It has. This is exactly what they would do. You move the pilot out of the way and take controls of the helicopter. It dips and swerves in a half loop until it stabilises. You use a combination of rotor speed and emergency jet thrusters to bring it under control. Sounds like you know what you're doing. Oh, yeah. Frantically, you key the mic, hoping radio communication has been restored. Come in, Ranger 3. Mayday! Mayday! There is no response, not even the usual static crackle. Looking at the control panel, you see that the radio's been destroyed. It must have been hit in the same attack that killed the pilot. But how did it happen? You haven't heard or seen anything or any enemy aircraft. Just when you think you have the helicopter under control, it pitches and swerves again in a violent swinging motion. Suddenly you see them in a tight formation in front of you. In front of the helicopter are three dislike shapes moving at a slow speed. Zam! A bright light flashes to the port side of the helicopter. Oh no, you yell! They are alien ships, not Doradan planes! Desperately you attempt to fly away from the frightened fire coming from the strange craft hovering near you. With a speed unknown to you, one of the crafts disappears. The other two go on to you. Help! Help! Someone! Anyone! They're going to get... Those are the last words you ever say. The end. Because my voice box fell out or because I've died? You've died. Oh, uh, my goodness. No, come I, on. Who'd have thought not jumping out of a plane is the wrong decision? That is the... Sh- I, I mean, congratulations on having the shortest story, Philip. But that, <laughs> that is the shortest. So I, I, I have beaten Adele. 
with the shortest story. With the shortest story. Um, yeah. Wow. I mean, ha. Oh, okay. I really like these books, but sometimes they're just a little bit disappointing. They are. I really thought I had it with the jet thrusters. Mm. That I knew what I was doing. Mm. Oh. I mean, okay. I reckon. I reckon just because we can, and just because that was so short, uh, I've only ever done this once or twice, and once with Adele, because I thought her story was short, but uh, this was shorter. Would you like to rewind one choice and just see what would happen if you bailed out of the helicopter? Yes, I would very much like to do that. I I, I do especially love, by the way, the fact that not only did I die at this point, but they came up with such incredible narrative. It wasn't just... (laughs) No, that was the wrong thing to do. You've crashed the plane. You're dead. They, yeah. they yeah. totally jumped the shark. And I was like, "Oh, you're you're going to fly the plane? Well, guess what? It's aliens. <laughs> That's right. And you're dead." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it went full on uh, sci-fi, didn't it? Wow. Yeah. Mm. I think sometimes, like, R.A. Montgomery or all these writers just get a little bit bored and go, I'm bored of real life. I'll just throw an alien in. (laughs) Yeah. For no reason. Okay, well, look, we're going to try and bail out, and we'll see how well that does. I mean, it's got to go further than that. That was a very short story. Presumably the aliens are coming regardless of whether I'm flying the plane or bailing out the plane. Yes, possibly. So we we maybe uh, know that they're on the way, but let's let's see. Sometimes it just goes in a completely different direction. Okay, here we go. Rewind. We we were... The controls are useless, you shout. Oh, the controls are useless, you shout. Um, though there's no one that can hear you. You have no time to waste. You're only 1,500 feet from the ground, and the helicopter is losing altitude quickly. You wrestle with the seatbelt release. Finally, it clicks open, and you push your way through a, a, a plexiglass door. The slipstream buffers against you and the side of the helicopter. The salty taste of blood fills your mouth. The result of a nasty cut that you got when you bumped your head leaving the cabin. Whoop! Your parachute snaps open and stops you tumbling through the murky gas-laden cloud. You slump in your hardness, legs swinging to and fro like a puppet on a string. Moments later, you're in the clear air. Not more than 200 feet above the ground. Your head clears too, and you prepare to land. There's no one around. Where are my people, you wonder? Captain Ricardo and the rangers should be there. There's a very sad, very sad drawing of you limping away. Uh, I'm going to show it to you for the, for the readers. It's a very sad... And you're looking very forlorn, very battered, just walking away with your parachute in your hand. I look like I've soiled myself. <laughs> I think that's what... <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame you, Phil. The, 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 the listeners won't have seen that, but there was literally one leg that was coloured in <laughs> and one leg not coloured in. And it just... It looked very much like yeah. I'd gone... I should not have jumped out of this plane. <laughs> I keep saying plane. It's a helicopter. I'm, I am listening. Um, you're, <laughs> you're too busy soiling yourself to be listening. You bend your knees, hit the ground, and shit yourself. No, the shock <laughs> is <laughs> the shock is far less than you expected. You key your miniature computer. Red leader to Ranger Three, come in. You say, hoping desperately for a reply. Red leader, repeat. Red leader, where are you? Ranger 3. 
You look around for some sign of people on this deserted uh, prairie. All communication is dead, just as it was in the helicopter. No, not a soul in sight. A whining sound interrupts your communication. Looking up, you see an enormous silvery shape coming your way. Oh no. It's going to be the helicopter, isn't it? It's it's had to come down. (laughs) Oh no, that's no good. I thought it was going to be a land on me. Oh Oh, no. (laughs) That would be a brilliant end. I I survive the fall and then the helicopter kills me as it lands on my soiled body. Oh, book for eight to ten-year-olds. You're welcome. Okay. (laughs) Um, It blocks the sun. You're in the shadow of a craft unknown to you. There's no place to hide. A beam of sky-blue light reaches down from the underside of the craft and bathes you in its warm energy. You try to move to step out of the beam, but your feet are locked in position. You try to raise your arm, but it remains at your side. In rapid stages, Haven materialises beside you. First his head and shoulders, then his whole body. Slowly, facial details come into uh, being added. The apparition reaches out and touches you, and the touch releases you from a frozen state you've been in. Um, so, (laughs) So, just to clarify... A beam of light has now transported this version of Haven, who's escaped, to be near you, and now he's touched your face. And he's a hologram? Is this a real... It says apparition. So apparition means what? That, that's a, yeah. a version of rather than the actual thing, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's what I thought. Haven speaks. I am certain you did not expect this, did you? No, we did not, Haven. Uh, I have more power than you imagine. His tone is low and even. There's no harshness in his voice. You nod your head. He continues. I have never been a Duradan, you know. Actually, I am not human. You can tell by my craft here. I am from a society called the Crystal People. The people of my world need the help of the people of your world. I could not be sure whether the the Duradans or the Tertalians should be the ones to help. I have now decided in favour of the people of Tertalia. Will you come aboard my craft and find out what we need? We are friendly. Well, what happens if I refuse, you reply? Nothing at all. You will go free. What about my pilot? If you're so friendly, why did you kill him, you ask? It was not us that killed your pilot. Are you sure your own people aren't reliable? Haven asks. At that moment, you catch sight of three fighters moving towards you in the distance. They're members of the Tertalian Ranger Force. Now, Phil, here's your choices. You could decide to trust Haven for the time being. Or you could decide to make a dash for freedom and join your own people. Oh, see... I already know that Haven's double-crossed in the past, but then you say to trust my own people. He Haven claims he didn't kill my pilot. I'm not sure I can make this decision without the help of a strongman to, to get me through. Yeah, so pop one in. You can pop one of these bad boys in. Um, <laughs> I am just, just uh, I am open to uh, sponsorship packages from Treble if they would like. Because uh, also, if it's an apparition of Haven, then maybe it's not the real Haven. Maybe whoever whoever is being the uh, oh. the, the baddie in all of this 
He's oh, trying right. to use. So I'm going to probably ignore Haven at this point. Okay. You're not going to trust him. No, what, you're going to try and make a dash for freedom and join your own people. Yeah. Which may well see me dead again. <laughs> um, yeah, that that's my choice. Make a dash for it. It's been lovely chatting. See you next time. <laughs> because as we all know from seeing the footage of, I think it was Tupac singing with somebody fairly recently you can have quite good even now in 2021 you can have quite good holograms that look fairly realistic well wasn't it um Kanye West who got uh had the hologram of himself for what was oh. his birthday yes there's a hologram of of Kim Kardashian's dad and he programmed it to say all these wonderful things about himself you know your husband's amazing so that was believable <laughs> Gosh, that yeah, I forgot that. That's an amazing, um, amazing yeah. story. Yeah, that's amazing. You have married the most amazing, amazing, amazing man in the world. <laughs> Speaking like Max Headroom, you drop to the ground, knocking Haven down with a kick to the legs. Before he can respond, you're on your feet and running into the, in the direction of the three rangers. Don't fire! It's me! You shout. But they're too far away to identify you. They watch your approach warily. You run as hard as you can. There's no looking back. At any moment you expect a shot. Haven won't give me up too easily, you think. No shots ring out, though. No paralysing ray stops you. The rangers stand with weapons at the ready. You make one final burst towards and reach the safety of the group. Thank heavens you're here, you gasp. I've never been so happy. You stop when you see their grim faces. You suddenly realise that no one has moved forward helping you. Don't move, Commander. You can escape, says the Lieutenant, newly assigned to the Ranger forces. Don't move or you'll never move again. Oh, what do you mean, you cry? Drop those weapons. Don't you dare aim them at me. The lieutenant motions, motions to one of the others who snaps handcuffs around your wrists. From behind some scrub pine, a squad of soldiers emerges wearing the uniform of the Duradan army. Oh. They're not from your town, they're Duradans. Oh no. Well done, lieutenant. Haven says. He has suddenly appeared at your side. Leave this earthling to me. The ranger lieutenant snaps a salute and turns to talk with the Duradans. Where are my troops, you ask, dreading the answer. We've taken care of them, don't worry, replies the turncoat lieutenant. Haven leads you back towards the spacecraft. So, you've won after all, have you, Haven, you say in a disgusted tone. Be calm, Commander. Nothing is ever what it appears to be. I am as anxious to be free of these Duradans as you are. They are fascists. Our intelligence has analysed their system. Fascism will not work in the long run. As I told you, we need help and we want it from you, the Totalians. Will you contact your home base and report your our position? Our forces have captured the Duradans and we can be in discussions on how to help each other out. So, Phil, here's your choices. So you could use your communicator to contact the operations centre, mm. or you could decide to fake the communication. Well, that's an interesting one. Oh. It's like when people pretend to be on a phone call to look busy, and then their phone rings whilst they're doing it, like, oh, damn, 
<laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. They... And they have to go, oh, uh, cool waiting. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I mean, it does seem that the last choice was somewhat redundant in that I either went to the... I, I went with Haven or I went with the other guys and ended up with Haven. So whatever yes. happens, the last decision got me with Haven, <laughs> which means either he's telling the truth and he's double agent from their point of view or he you know so oh, it's, maybe I should trust Haven I, I might regret yeah so that would mean using mm. your communicator which, hang on, which, which one do I do if I trust Haven well that's true like I suppose the choices are use your communicator and op- get the operation center or fake it I think if you don't trust him you would fake it possibly yes because also if I use my communicator maybe it's like unlocking your phone with facial ID or your fi- your thumbprint ID mm. and once, once they can do what they like with it so perhaps by faking it he might once I'm faking call cool, make a grab for the phone or whatever and I'll be like aha I knew I knew right Where's- yes yes I'm, I'm going to fake it. Oh, I'm, I'm going to get my own back on all those girls I've been with, and I'm going to fake it <laughs> with a Martian. <laughs> with a Martian, absolutely. I'm already living on borrowed time anyway because I've died once. I'm yeah, I'm faking. Yeah, okay. You're doing well now. We uh, we've we rewinded. It's pretty good. Okay, we're going to fake it. Here we go. Shorehaven, I'll contact my home base, you say, as you fiddle with your communicator, stalling for time. You have a hunch that Haven is trying to invade your security wavelength and head up a Duradan takeover attack. Haven nods and turns his back to you to speak rapidly to one of his crew. Meanwhile, the Duradan forces are busy arranging the transport for their prisoners, your ranger force, back to the Duradan territory. They move off, paying little attention to you because they trust Haven and his crew. Haven seems engrossed in his conversation. Scanning the immediate area, you see a metal rod about five feet long lying on the ground. You think there's a chance for escape. If you can knock Haven out, get his weapon and head for cover, you wait and watch. Haven concludes his talk, dismisses the crew members and turns back to you. The two of you are now alone. The Duradans are out of sight. So there's a choice to be made, quite a quick choice. Again, you haven't made, you didn't even fake the call. It's a bit annoying when the book does that. <laughs> you, you haven't faked the call. Here's the choices. You could decide to try and knock Haven out, or you could decide not to use force. So I think at this stage, I'm going to play it a little bit safe and not use force. Hmm. Because the Duradans aren't that far away yet. And if I if I miss or, you know, he cries out and they come back. So I'm going to play along for a little bit longer, I think. Oh, okay. Okay. I mean, it says the Duradans are out of sight, but they might not be out of ear range. Out of ear, yeah. Did I say ear range? Is that even a saying? <laughs> Ear range. I'm not. I'm not sure it is, but it's okay because it's it's the future. So who yeah. knows? Maybe in 2051 that will be a word. Uh, the ear range of people. Okay. Um, okay. Well, let's. Okay. So we're going to go play along for a little bit longer. Okay. Force is no good. You tell yourself, quoting from one of the sayings in the Totalian Congress. 
Uh, I'd better wait and see what happens. You fiddle some more with the communicator. You haven't fooled Haven. He takes the communicator from you and puts it in his pocket. I will not force you to contact your base commander, but it is a shame we cannot cooperate. I have a plan. Perhaps it will prove to you the seriousness of my interest in working with the Totalian people. My plan is this. I will tell the Duradan commander that I am taking you back to Dorado for questioning. In reality, we will go to the Tortalian capital, Denver. I cannot keep up with this charade of being a Duradan agent any longer. What do you say? You ponder this. To bring Haven and his spacecraft to Denver using a special security code could cause disaster to Tortalia if Haven turns out to be a fraud. He could launch a devastating strike on Tortalia. So I think you know the choices, Philip. Do, do you do it? Do you not? Do you decide to take Haven to Denver? Do you decide to take Haven on a flight away from both Dorado and Denver. I think I need to get him away from Denver. Denver's key. It's key battleground, you know. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's, it's, it's actually, Denver is the home of where they came up with the phrase um, ear range. So uh, <laughs> I, need, I need Denver to be around. Otherwise, what will people say? <laughs> ear range is a great saying. And um, I think the people yeah, of Denver are very Denver. <laughs> thanks to Denver. Yeah, we don't want him going. We don't want him to go to uh, back to Denver. That would be awful. The security clearance codes and the coordinates you provide Haven lead you on a flight that ends over California. Haven is not stupid, and says, "Well, Commander, two can play at this game." The spacecraft leaps into hyperspeed. You'll rush to the outer rim of the Wall of Stars, <laughs> where you're interrogated by the Crystal People and used as a bargaining chip, a hostage, as they try and get what they need from Tortalia. Good luck! Tortalia has a policy never to negotiate for hostages. You've always agreed with the policy. Now, though, you're not so sure. The end. That is the end of you. I survived longer. You did survive longer, and you got to go to space, which I, I would yeah. be, I'd be very excited to do that. I mean, what a way to go! What a way to go! Do you think? Um, I mean, you didn't really. You were beyond escape. That you literally were beyond yeah. escape. Was there at any point in that story where you think you could have escaped if you took a different route? Well, I'm, I'm thinking. I guess if I'd have knocked Haven out. That was the only time to try and, and escape. Mm. I think I perhaps was trying to give him the benefit of the doubt a little bit mm. because of the one before where they, they could have killed me. He effectively rescued me from them. But, you know, I mean, again, it, it just seemed like they threw in that extra plot line, like the alien thing. Yeah. When he goes, that game, we're going to space. <laughs> and, you know what I mean? Like, there's no... <laughs> Yeah, there wasn't any narrative that got that got us dead in space. So they went, we'll just kill him in space. Do you remember when you were a kid, you had that thing where, like, fortune telling thing, where you had to do like mm. the four colors, and then you 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 have you know B L U E, and and then you open it up, and there's a number, and you have got to choose which number you do. Mm. I think that's how he wrote this story. <laughs> yeah, where he literally just chose 
And now number two. Oh, they go off to the wall of space. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It. It. I think, you know, by this point, like this series of books have been going for a few years. He's written about mm. 10, 15 of them. Maybe he's just like, well, people are reading them. I might as well write absolute nonsense. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think the next thing is we, we've got Escape, we've got Beyond Escape, and then we've got the next book, which is they're still buying this shit. <laughs> um, yeah, <that's> right. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. Uh, did you enjoy yourself? That's the main thing, Philip. I did enjoy myself. Yes, it's been very lovely to chat, and it's very nice to to do a different kind of story like that. Ooh, quite nice to make decisions as well. Uh, <laughs> in the past year, everyone's been making decisions for us. It's quite nice to finally make a decision for myself. There you go. See? Um, even if it killed me very quick. <laughs> yes, I must admit, if we'd gone with your first set of decisions, uh, this podcast would have finished about 20 minutes ago. Well, thank you for joining me. I've had such a nice time. Um, just remind us where people can find out more about not only your wonderful kids comedy club, but more about you and the podcast that you do as an, for adults. Well, thank you. You can all come and visit my memorial garden in space. Um, <laughs> at the wall of stars. Um, I, <laughs> where can they find me? Uh, I'm on all social media uh, with the same name, which is good. It's at Phillips comedy. Um, and there's one Ellen Phillip. Um, so that's TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all at Phillips Comedy. The children's comedy show, if there's anyone that wants to watch, it's, they're all on YouTube. So search for Schools Out Comedy Club mm. on YouTube and you, your kids can watch every episode. There's about, there'll, there'll be over 45 episodes by the time we finish. Um, so it's that's definitely worth plonking them in front of. It's all harmless fun. And if you do want to buy the joke book with the profits going to Fair Share Charity, which is the charity that Marcus Rashford has been working so hard for to feed families and children during lockdown. Mm. Um, We just made a donation to them today, actually. And they reckon from what we've donated, a thousand meals can be provided. So Ah. that is very cool. Amazing. Uh, You can get my website, which is philipsimon.co.uk forward slash shop. And there's a couple of other things that I'm up to on there that people can can buy uh, or just get the joke book. Yeah. I've got 800 left in my living room. My wife would quite like them gone. Um, <laughs> That's amazing. And and for podcasters, so people who do like a podcast, I believe you've got two seasons or two series of your podcast out already that people can get their ears around. Unlike any other comedian, I started doing a podcast during <laughs> lockdown. Um, it's called it's called Jew Talking to Me, and it's uh, it's Jews chatting. So I'm Jewish. Surprise. Um, uh, my co-host Rachel Krieger is also Jewish, oh. a Jewish comedian, and we have uh, the first two series. It's a couple of guests. It's, it's it's basically like a chat show, panel show, really. So there's kind of segments of the show, and it's all very funny and lovely. And guests, including people like um, Ivor Badil, Debbie Chazen, Joe Bohr, Steve First, um, the wonderful writer Anthony Horowitz. Uh, oh. sitcom writer Paul Mendelssohn loads loads of fantastic people series three is coming soon that's out wherever you get your podcasts do go and buy one of Phil's joke books because I, I know that's amazing because um, 
well, the shows are amazing on YouTube, so they, they, it's going to be full of those jokes. And jokes about poo. So what, what, what more do you want? Lots of jokes about poo. <laughs> would, would, you, would you like to hear the, my favourite joke about poo well, in, that, that's in the book? I, we're gonna, that's the way we're going to finish this podcast. I mean, that is the ultimate full stop. Here we go. Here we are. You, you're going to have to join in because it's a knock-knock joke. So, okay. knock-knock. Who's there? Europe. You're a poo. No, you're a poo. Hey! <laughs> I, I realise I gave that away by saying it was a joke about poo. <laughs> Feel free to cut around that whole joke. But that was sent in by uh, a kid, and it was it made me laugh every day. <laughs> uh, I've just got a joke in from the writer of uh, Beyond Escape. Knock, knock. Who's there? Europe. Europe who? Europe who in space for no reason. (laughs) (laughs) And now you're dead. (laughs) Voyage of the Page Turner featured the books of author R.A. Montgomery hosted by Colin Lego featuring special guest Philip Simon voiceover by Samuel Thomas produced by Colin Lego Special thanks to Ant McGinley. You could find us on Instagram and Twitter at Page Turner Show. Find us, message us, like us. Until we meet next time, remember, choose wisely.